and welcome to Banking Transformed. I'm your host, Jim Roos, founder and CEO of the Digital Bank Report and co-publisher of the financial brand. On today's podcast, we'll be joined by one of the most recognizable names of our generation, Steve Wozniak. A Silicon Valley icon and philanthropist, Steve Wozniak helped shape the computing industry by co-founding Apple Computer with Steve Jobs in 1976. His development of the Apple One and Apple II computer was considered a revolutionary step forward in user-centered design and the forerunner of computer innovation for decades thereafter. Since leaving Apple in 1985, Wozniak has been involved in various business and philanthropic ventures, focusing primarily on computer and technology education. I had the unique opportunity to sit down with the Waz as part of the Novathon Innovation Event in Budapest last week. The event, presented by Italian bank Intesa San Paolo, featured Wozniak as well as other industry speakers, including myself, discussing digital transformation, innovation, and competition in banking. In our interview, Steve discusses his personal life, his focus on computer education for youth, recommendations for entrepreneurs, the state of innovation today, and his memories of Steve Jobs. Okay, so Steve, you're about my age, maybe a little bit older, maybe a little younger. You continue to disrupt yourself. How is that possible? Or how do you do it? I don't know. I just I just live. I'm into life and I'm into exploring, having fun, learning new things, especially learning new things when they're related to areas of my life that have been important. Technology, digital computers, what they can do for us. So I just I just enjoy having fun. A fun life. Part of that is your focus on lifetime learning. I, I th- you have a very strong focus. Was you other things you've done in the past about making it so people have the opportunity to take in the education with all the technology that's happening, the demand for high tech talent. How do you think we should solve that issue in the future? The demand for high tech talent. Obviously, the way you're phrasing the question is almost like a statement that we should have more technology and STEM education in schools and prepare people. I think we should give them the ability to encounter projects that they can build on their own. Little Raspberry Pi, small, low-cost computers with a lot of sensors and motors and everything. And if somebody's interested in that, let them have a whole curriculum where they take course after course after course, not just one course here and there throughout high school, but continually explore it as a curriculum. Special schools sometimes do allow that to an extent, or it could be done part-time after school. The thing is, it's not just productivity for the United States or for, I mean, for the world to learn these sort of things that are part of the future and what your job's going to be. It's fun. It can be the most fun thing to the right people. And if it's not fun to somebody, don't force them to do it. Going broader on that, how do companies now build retraining and reskilling? Because we're going to have a whole segment that could be outplaced, just like we've had in the farming and the manufacturing industry. We've seen what's happened in the U.S. and the U.K. and other places. How do we how do we do that? How do we move forward on that? That's a social problem that's always been with us and never goes away. As things modify and new equipment comes into it, could be in farming, could be mining, could be in technology. It's just always been with us. And there's no easy way around it because you've worked your whole life to know exactly what you do to maybe shod horses and put shoes on them. And then all of a sudden that doesn't exist anymore. What do you do? How do you retrain yourself and learn new occupation? And you'll just be a beginner with a lower salary level and all that. No, it's very difficult for society. We just have to plan on it and all of us should handle it kind of like insurance. I believe that uh, governments and socialization are good ways to go. So from the perspective of government regulation, you have some perspectives on 
cryptocurrency and how government could just stifle that creativity. But in banking, what's the role of government as it relates to innovation? I've never really thought about that because I always think of innovation as coming from individuals who want to change and do things better. I don't think the government says, oh, we want innovation. You know, I think the government would always say we want it, but they aren't the ones who can create it. Only the ones who can create it are the ones that really know what is a realistic approach to innovation. And as an entrepreneur, what recommendations do you give to other people about how to become an entrepreneur or how to take that mindset? It goes down to honesty, listen to other people, realize that it's going to take many different talents to make a successful startup or a successful company as an entrepreneur. If you're an engineer, listen to the ideas from marketing and from business side. And if you're in marketing, listen to the ideas, include the engineers in all of your thinking out before you write a business plan. Please have the engineers involved that are going to actually be able to create the product for you. Don't say, hey, we'll just go raise some money. We're just going to be business only. And then after we have the money, we'll hire some engineers in whatever country or part of the world we feel like, you know, it's where it doesn't cost. No, don't think that way. Include them in your thinking. All the elements and listen to the others. And more than that, don't just go for skill sets. People who have the skills to create your new idea and your new product. Look for people that get along together, that have similar personalities, that like each other and do things together and socialize together. Personalities. Psychologists should be involved in picking a lot of the startup teams. And finally, we just passed the eighth anniversary of Steve Jobs passing. What do you remember most about Steve? Mostly I remember the times we had before Apple. Strange as it sounds, we had just a lot of fun times laughing together and exploring and excited about what was going on and being kids. And uh, it was a type of closeness that was just so important to me. And after Apple got going, he was so great at his thinking and his way of seeing the future. The trouble is he was very poor at executing and he didn't know computers and we had a lot of failures in Apple. Eventually he came back and his success was not in computers. It was in the iPod, human. He understood humans. And finally, do you see anybody out there that has possibly the type of visionary perspective, personality that Steve had in the marketplace today? I don't know because he had other issues. I mean, some of his issues made him sound a lot like Donald Trump, for example, or Elon Musk and the ego running the show. And I'm more important than you and everyone else. And I can think better. So I don't think that way myself. So I have no comment. Okay. From an innovation standpoint, who do you like in the marketplace today that you think is really looking beyond the current. The trouble is I don't see a lot of the young startup people that have much better minds and thinking than those that are in business. But, you know, I have some reservation. Let's go back to Elon Musk. He saw that the need was not just for an electric car, but for no sacrificing your life over a gas car. You had to have the charging stations, put up a superb charging station in the United States that no other cars can uh, deal with for long trips. Uh, So he had that, but I also disdain a lot of his being above it all and giving a lot of things. We're going to have this by 2016 and isn't here yet to this day and it never will be maybe. He misleads a lot of people into thinking what artificial intelligence will do. So I have plus and minus feelings. Jack Dorsey has always impressed me. Almost everything he's done and spoken of is really good. Thinking of people thinking the right way. I agree with his uh, business directions and his uh, business models. Thank you so much for being on Banking Transformed. I really appreciate all the sharing you did today, and it's great to have met you. My pleasure. Thanks for listening to Banking Transformed. If you enjoyed today's interview, please be sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast app and listen in every Tuesday as we interview some of the world's foremost leaders. Also, be sure to catch my recent articles on the financial brand and check out our amazing research we are doing on digital transformation, retail banking innovation, 
the digital customer experience and financial marketing on the Digital Banking Report. This has been a production of Evergreen Podcast. A special thank you to our producer, Bridget Coyne, and audio engineers, Sean Rule Hoffman and Dave Douglas. I'm your host, Jim Roos. Until next time, have a great week. Welcome, change agents, to your go-to place for stories that ignite your spirit, fuel your purpose, and connect us all. We believe in the incredible power of the human spirit, its boundless resilience, and the inspiration it brings to our lives. On the Driving Change podcast, we'll journey together through the extraordinary, yet very relatable experiences of some of the most amazing people on earth. Our mission? That through these stories, we might just spark change within you, and awaken a newfound motivation to harness your unique gifts to make a real difference in the world. So get ready to be inspired and join us on this incredible adventure. You can find the Driving Change Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, or wherever you love listening to your favorite podcasts.